This episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast is brought to you in part by No Judges Needed BJJ Apparel and Lavender Lane CBD Products. You can use the promo code JJT for 20% off your first order at No Judges Needed and the code JJTimes20, all uppercase, last two items are numerical, for 20% off your first order of CBD products. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And uh, buckle up because it's a bit of a heavy episode this week. Uh, In the wake of continued instances of police brutality being caught on film, the public discourse regarding law enforcement has reached a fever pitch. Of the factors at play is insufficient training, one of them. When an officer decides to violently engage a suspect, how many of them really know what it is they're getting into? Here to discuss these topics and more is Tom DeBloss, Black Belt, and Miami Police Reserve Officer, Mr. Freddie Trillo. Freddie, thank you so much for joining us here today. How are you? Doing great, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming. And and that's that's Miami-Dade. Miami Police and Miami Dade, two different departments down here. I apologize, sir. Very, no, it's very, all good. They're both good departments. <laughs> I would very much not like to piss off the Tom DeBloss black belt. I think that I could go my whole <laughs> life without doing that. I've met a few of you guys, and you're a bit a bit crazy. How does the Tom DeBloss like? So, are, are you uh, originally from down south, or where where were you from? No, I uh, well, I'm, I was born in LA, Los Angeles, and okay. then. But raised here in Miami, Florida, and um, I lived here pretty much all my life. Became a cop at a young age, a very young age, and I uh, started training at a young age. I was one of the actual. I was one of the first guys to start training jujitsu. Probably one of a handful in the U.S. back at the time. This is mid nineties. So, yeah. What uh, what came time. what came first, law enforcement or jujitsu? Law enforcement. Okay. So what what made you want to go out and like how did you discover jujitsu as a as a cop? <laughs> how much time do I have? Yeah, all the time <laughs> you need, buddy. You <laughs> it's uh my story is quite unique. Um most cops nowadays, I mean, okay, let me just stick with me. I was young, I was maybe 22, 23 years old when I was a rookie cop. And um you know, this was 1991, 92, around there. I thought that the police academy, you know, you would think that the police academy had the best instructors for all subjects, firearms, self-defense, everything. And that they would prepare an officer uh, well enough to go out there and perform a very hard job and a job that your job is in danger The moment you walk out of the house because you're in uniform and when you're in uniform, you're a target, you know? Um, So I thought that the training that the police department provided was going to be sufficient. And that was not the case. Um, So how this all started, how I started my career in jujitsu was I made a traffic stop on a subject that unknown to me at the time he had committed a carjacking. You know, he um, he beat up an elderly person, stole his wallet, stole his car keys, and stole his car. I was working in an area where, I mean, I just see this car speeding. Now I'm a rookie guy. I'm a rookie officer, young. I see this guy speeding. I pulled him over because I just saw him speeding and blowing through a stop sign and to me, it was a traffic stop. I didn't know that the guy was pulling over. I just committed a robbery and that that's not his car. Committed a serious crime. I didn't know that. He pulls over. And most people, most people, they'll wait in the car. Yes, officer. What did I do? Blah, blah, blah. He didn't do that. He got out of the car. I mean, the moment I stopped, 
you know, you when you stop a car, the proper procedures is you get on the radio, you notify your dispatcher that you're on a traffic stop, you give description of the car, description of the location you're at. In case something happens, other people, other units know where you're at and who you had stopped. I didn't have a chance to do that because the moment he pulled over, he immediately exited the car and started walking towards me. Now, I was working. I've always worked high crime areas. This was a pretty, you know, I wasn't in, I wasn't in a real nice area. I was really high crime area. So you have to think quick on your, on your feet, you know? I did not have time to tell the guy, hey, can you please stop a second? I need to get on the radio and call this in. No, you got to stop what you're doing and get out of the car and address it because you don't know what, you know what this guy's doing. He's walking towards you. You sit in your car, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're as good as dead if they pull out a gun. So I got out of the car. And the one thing I always had was street sensibility. So I could read people like a book, you know. I, I grew up poor. I grew up in the streets. Uh, although I was not a criminal, I had street sensibility. So I knew I was dealing with something more than just traffic here. As he walks towards me, I said, man, I got to throw this guy off. So I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I, I, I'm going to make... I'm going to use my hands. Uh, I'm Latin, so I got to use my hands on this one. <laughs> You're good, brother. So, so I was like, whoa, what's going on, bro? Do you have an emergency? Is something, somebody hurt in your family? Is there something I can help you with? So what that does is buy me time because it kind of stopped him. He was walking rapidly towards me, but when he sees me, ask me, ask him if he's okay, he stops. As if to say, oh, this guy, this cop obviously doesn't know what I just did. So I'm like, I just saw you speeding and I want to make sure that you're okay. Is everything fine? Yeah, yeah, everything is fine, officer. Okay, you sure? Because you look like you're nervous and, you know, yeah, 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 everything is fine. Okay, so do you have a license? I just want to make sure that you're okay. If everything is good, then you're on your way. He goes, um, yeah, yeah, I got a license. He checks his pockets, pulls out a wallet, opens it up. Now, this gentleman I stopped happened to be a black male, like six foot two, I mean, 230, 40 pounds. He was shredded. I mean, <laughs> shredded guy. I'm 5'9", okay? Um, and he pulls out a wallet and a white person's ID just starts floating in the air and lands on the floor in between his legs. He looks down, I look down, he looks up at me and it was on. He just rushed me. Now, the nine months that I spent at the police academy never prepared me for that. You know, they teach you how to hit people with a baton and all the little toys they give you, uh, all these impact weapons. None of that was going to happen in this fight because he rushed me, he grabbed me, he picked me up, slammed me on concrete, mounted on top of me. This is 1992. There was no UFC. There was no ground and pound. I didn't know about the mount. Apparently he did. <laughs> he, he mounted me and he just started going to work now before he as he started to hit me I was trying to reach for my, for my radio to call in for help he grabbed my radio he threw it over the fence he knew where my handcuffs were ripped my handcuffs out of my pouch threw them over the fence so now I have no radio, I have no handcuffs. The only thing I have on me, we're, there was no taser at that, at that time. It was not out yet. The only thing I had left was my firearm. And now that's what he was after. He grabbed my firearm, but I had, I had been smart enough to invest on my own in a safety holster because the academy when you, when you graduate from the academy, the department that sponsored you gives you some equipment 
But that equipment is not always the best equipment. They get what real basic equipment and they issue it out. But if you want better equipment, you have to get it. And I remember I did spend some extra money on a safety holster, a level three safety holster. And to this day, I tell everybody how any cop anywhere is working without a level three safety holster. They are, that's an invitation for a disaster to happen because that is what saved my life. He was trying to take my gun out. He couldn't take it out because of that safety holster. And he was dragging me all over the floor. One thing that I remember, and I'm gonna make a long story short, the punches start coming in. It comes to a point where you're fighting, when you're in a fight, and I'm sure you guys have probably felt this, hopefully not, <laughs> punches to your face so much, but you don't, you don't feel the strikes anymore. You just hear them like in your head, boom, boom. You don't feel the pain because the shock starts rushing in Blood starts going into the, the areas that you're being hurt. And I remember looking at the sky. The guy's over me and I'm looking past him and I'm just looking at the sky and I'm like, I cannot believe that this is happening to me. And I know that's the exact same thought that many people that are no longer with us have thought before they passed on. I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm in the middle of the street. A beautiful day, it was sunny, and I am, I'm about to die here. I honestly thought I was going to die. He was trying everything in his power to kill me. The only reason I'm here today is because he got tired of beating me up. He gave me, I mean, my eyes were swollen shut, busted my, chipped the tooth, busted my lips. I had to get a cap on my tooth. I mean messed me up big time. And I remember going home. I, I, I think I, I stayed out of work for like two weeks. And uh, a couple of years went by and I started looking for different martial arts. I said, I need to do something besides the, what the police academy showed me to go to get ready for this because what the cops had showed me was no good. It was garbage, flat out garbage, what they had showed me nine months of the academy. Nothing that what they showed me helped. So I said, I need to try something. So I tried karate schools. I tried striking schools. I tried, I, I went into all sorts of places and nothing. I said, nah, this is not it. Nah, this is not it. It wasn't until 19, I don't know. When was the first UFC? Six or four, maybe? Yeah, so it was a few years after this that I was sitting at a friend's house and the first UFC comes on and they're like, Hey man, look at this little skinny guy. And you know, I'm one of the ones that started training because of horse Gracie. And it was, yeah, but you know, in the beginning, what it was, it was, it was not about horse Gracie. It was about which martial art was the best one, better suited. They had everything for a fight. That's what it was about. It was, what was the best martial art? Not really the best fighter. And jiu-jitsu was just like, you know it. Jiu-jitsu was just destroying everybody. That's how I got started. I remember sitting there and I'm like, I don't know what this Brazilian's doing, but that's what I want to do. That's what I need to learn right there. And it was not long after that, I found a jiu-jitsu school in Miami. There was only one. And it was with uh, Conan and Marco Saavedra. Uh, Conan. Uh, his real name is Marco Silveira and his brother Marcelo. He runs the uh, ATT school now, Conan. ATT, big, big Conan yeah. right? Oh, okay. Yeah, ATT wasn't around back then. Right. It was, um, it was, they were under Carlson Gracie. Carlson Gracie was there. I have pictures of show me training with, with Conan and Carlson and Carlson Jr. And was back Labor then it was, was called, Laborio there yet? Laborio was, was there. Curious, yeah. it, it was, um, they were called uh, Brazilian top team back then it wasn't our american american top team wasn't wasn't made yet so i was with them for a couple of years um but then uh after a couple of years i i started training with uh the valentes the valente brothers in uh in miami and i really liked the program that they had they had the, they were the first first academy to really structure curriculums with lesson plans and stuff 
and I found that pretty impressive. I thought that that was very professional. They, so the Valentes are known them. for their for their uh, combat or uh, what is it? The uh, jujitsu yeah. self defense program too. Program, yeah. Yeah. They're heavy on the self defense. Right, combative. Not, not big, not big on sparring at all. I mean, not right. on sport. It's just all self defense. By the right. way, just so, so I just so I get this on the record, we screwed up. It was ninety three that UFC won was because uh, there are people that will throw axes at us over that so yeah. i just you guys it. don't know what no. you're talking about yeah. <laughs> boy it was a long time ago that's, yeah, that's a, that is a long time ago but yeah. it, the timeline is perfect because like i said this happened my incident happened in 92 so it was not it was just a few years a year or two after that that i saw the first ufcs so, so then that's, i, I mean, started training with, i'm sorry no you good freddie go ahead man so then I stayed with the Valentes for 17 years. I got my black belt from them. And that's where I got a lot of my meat and potatoes with the self-defense. So, um, and then I branched out on my own. I wanted to go out on my own and I wanted to, I wanted to train with other people. I wanted to move on and learn because everybody has, there's so much to learn from everybody. So I remember I met Tom DeBlas in a seminar and Wow, he, you know, Tom is Tom. <laughs> uh, and uh, I started training with him. He saw a lot of weaknesses in my game that I needed to hear. He fixed it. And I felt that I was like, man, I, I, was, I, was, I was pretty good. And now I'm a lot better. And because of that, I've really surrounded myself with, with really good instructors and helped me become what I am today. So it's not about me being super. It's about I've been able to gain a lot of knowledge, and now I'm able to to teach it to my students and to everybody. Yeah, man, that's yep. Freddie. First of all, man, that's an amazing story, you know. And and I think that first and foremost, I always wanted to to make this point. So, you know, there there's lots of problems with the police force, and there's lots of problems with things that are going on. There's lots of problems that have have, have materialized that have led us to the point we're at. But like hearing your story really solidifies the fact that like, you know, police officers have a very dangerous job and they're forced to make very dangerous point of the moment decisions because their lives are in danger. Like you were if you didn't have, you know, first of all, you're sitting in the field unprepared because you don't have, you know, the safety lock for your gun that you had to go buy for yourself. Like if you don't have that safety lock that you bought for yourself, you're probably not here to tell this story I'm not, about I'm not here. Right. Was that, the, was that real quick? Was that expensive? Do you remember? Or? Yes, it was. Really? Oh uh, those, man. Those safety. The, the they give you the the department will give you the cheap posters. They cost like fifty dollars. I don't know. The real expensive one are over a hundred and something. So they'll they'll give you a good gun, but not a holster that makes sure it stays yours. That's great. <laughs> Listen, uh, one thing that we'll get out of this podcast is you're not always going to get the best training at the police academy at all, whether it's firearms or anything, you need to step outside of it and get your own training to really become proficient in whatever it is that you feel you need help in, whether it's self-defense or handgun shooting or some type of tactical training. That's actually, let's, let's go back to that. So you've just, you found jujitsu as a police officer, you're now supplementing your, your work with advanced training in grappling can you take us through any times in your career since that point that jujitsu has really helped you maybe de-escalate a problem or uh, help resolve issues without using violence you know if, if you can recall any okay i have to be careful how i say this because like you said earlier there's a lot of people that get their feathers ruffled and they get upset if you say one thing that they don't agree with right i got the i when i tell you that i got to practice jujitsu almost on a daily basis for 20 something years i am not lying i was part of i was a very active officer i was always part of specialty units you know i wasn't a traffic cop i wasn't one of these i'm not saying those guys are bad but i wasn't those guys that hide behind a tree oh I got a speeder. Let me write him a ticket. I don't have time for that BS. That, that wasn't me. You know, those guys are important. They need to do that because we have some people that disregard all sorts of laws. But, but that wasn't me. 
I was part of tactical units, the crime suppression units, robbery units, SWAT, uh, special response team. I was doing the work that not everybody wanted to do. And the guys I were after were armed robbers, were rapists, were people that were wanted for murder. Uh, you know, guys, they, they, they committed really bad crimes. So these guys are not voluntarily going to jail. So when I would, when I would go after them, <coughs> many of them, they put up fights. Now, I want you to think about this. Um, I had one of the highest arrest rates for the department. There's many guys that have high uh, arrest rates. But when you arrest a lot of people, you usually get a lot of complaints. I didn't have a lot of complaints because I was very fair because I didn't have to be. You guys know this. Whenever you train with somebody new that comes to the academy, if you go 10%, it's too much because you know that it's overkill. They can't defend what they don't understand. So when I tell you that when I'd have a guy and he takes off running, and I'm behind him and I'm and he's jumping fences and I'm jumping fences. I'm not trying to beat him to the race. I, I had it all set up. I knew that all I had to do was keep an eye on him for at least a hundred yards. Because that's basically all the remember, this is an obstacle course when we're running, when there were we're jumping fences, we're jumping yards, roofs. It's an obstacle course. It's freaking what do they call those people that jump from building right. to Ultimate, building? A parkour, yeah. Yeah. ninja yeah. warrior, or whatever. Right. Yes, it was parkour heaven. <laughs> All right. So I knew if I can keep an eye on him for for about a hundred yards, he starts to get tired, and then I catch up, and then I catch him. By the time I catch up to him, it was easy. I would I would take him down. I would mount him, and I'd just sit mounted on top of him, looking at them with a big smile on my face. And their eyes are about this big. I'm telling you, and 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 you and, and and I put this out there publicly. There's nobody that I ever arrested or come out and say that I beat them up because it didn't happen. Because I what I would do is I would look at them and I'm like, Are you tired already? When you get tired, and I would take off my handcuffs and put it right next to them. So <laughs> when you get tired of fighting and trying to get out, handcuff yourself. I'm not gonna hurt you, but you're gonna handcuff yourself. Jesus. Their, their eyes would be about that big because they couldn't figure out what I was doing to them. They didn't know what the mount was. You know, when you mount somebody in the street, what are they going to do? The first thing they're going to do is do what? Try, try to push, push you off. Try to push you off. So are you, what do we do? We swim through the arms and we wait. 30 seconds, if that. And it was over. After after 500 yards, that's 500 yard sprint and they're already dead. Right. It's over. It's over. It's over. Handcuff them, take them straight to jail. Which is and, the basis like of what jujitsu is about. Day. Right. Yes. So when I tell you I didn't have to hurt anybody, for me to hurt somebody, I would be a bad guy. I would be a bad cop. Just like that, uh, the George Floyd thing. That's a bad cop that abuses power there. I didn't have to do that. First of all, because I'm a good human being. Because right. I can't go out there and hurt somebody that's defenseless. Now, if you want to fight me, it's a different story. We're in a fight. But most of these guys, they're not fighting you. They're just trying to get away. And I knew that. So I just do let's, what I have to do. Let's talk a little bit about the psychological edge that uh, that training jujitsu uh, gives you. And in particular, uh, you talked a little bit about in your initial <clears throat> initial story about how you tr attempted to de-escalate the situation from the beginning by asking the guy, Hey, are you okay? Is your family? All right. First of all, like when you're on the, when you're on the force, do you have courses in de-escalation that they give you courses to try to help you how to de-escalate problems before they occur? Yes, they do. Yeah. They do. Okay. I'm just curious about that. And then, then, then secondly, you know, so, you know, I work and again, I hate saying this, but I'll say it again. What the hell? I, I, I work with police officers quite a bit. I, I work at a bar and I work as a bouncer in a bar and I, I, just like you have to subdue people all the time. And very rarely have I ever had to hurt someone as much as I've wanted to on several occasions. <laughs> like very rarely Especially do I have drunk. To, right. Exactly. <laughs> very rarely do I have to, to do that simply because I am completely aware of the fact that I could harm this person if I want to, 
but it's much easier to subdue them. You know, beside the fact of anger issues and not and being a good person and not wanting to inflict harm, I know that if I do do damage to them, I'm probably going to go to jail. So, right. The point I'm trying to make is this: so I have gotten those skills from training jujitsu over the extended period of time. There's a certain sense of confidence and a certain sense of of conquering my own ego that I've attained through the lessons of getting getting my ass kicked over and over again in jiu-jitsu continue to come back and realizing that ego isn't really important. How much of a factor do you think that plays in seeing some of the issues of police brutality? First of all, you know, you have a guy, I mean, if the cop can't subdue a guy, unfortunately his only recourse is to start to go for his weapons and things start to escalate to a point of, of, of advanced, you know, combat, deadly, potentially deadly combat. But how much of that confidence, how much of that mental edge would help in, in maybe quelling some of the brutality issues we've seen? I've seen a couple of incidents. We've all seen them in the last couple of days. Uh, just recently, the one in uh, Atlanta where that um, where they, they, they killed that guy. Yeah. You know, it's so unfortunate. Um, I see those incidents, and you see them too. And you look at these officers fighting with these subjects, and I'm like, man, I got teenagers, students, teenagers 100%. that are students <laughs> that can handle that, handle that yeah. way better than those two adult grown men could have. Right. You have them in your academy. I have them. Every academy, every jujitsu academy across the world has students they could do what these cops can't do. Even Blue Belt Kevin probably could have done a better job. I mean, it is 100%. a, it is a, it is a, a statement the, uh, because this is one of the few times where I'm like, yeah, and that's saying something. I should never feel like I could be more effective than an officer of the law. And that's something that I've thought about a lot just because, you know, there's also a few videos cropping up where, you know, you see cops trying to subdue like, like younger kids and the con I don't know what the context is, but there's videos of cops trying to subdue kids and these kids know a little jujitsu. And there's, there's one, like I think in South America where this, this, this cop shoves the kid, the kid jumps it onto a mount, like a, a guillotine and pulls guard and puts the cop out, you know, and that, and that's, these people are just around in the world that can have do this, uh, these amazing things. And these cops that should be at least familiar don't seem to be familiar at all. Okay. How do you, how do you feel? And, and unfortunately, with the incident with uh, the 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 murder of George Floyd, you're seeing this cop in a position where if you're not a jujitsu guy or a wrestler, I I could see where you'd you'd maybe think, oh, he's just kneeling on him a little bit. But we are all experienced enough to know what that looks like and feels like i uh did you see the video of the floyd uh yeah yes i did i did now as an as an officer but also as a black belt how did it feel to see an officer use that kind of position with with seemingly no awareness as to what that position was doing um anytime i see an officer in a fight and the officer doesn't know any jiu-jitsu, I get pissed off. But I don't get pissed off at the officer. It's not his fault. It's the department's fault. Because the department set him up for failure. The department did not properly train him. Did not properly give him the tools he needed to take care of that situation. Now... We've come a long way from the 1990s. There's a, a lot of departments are starting to teach, to implement. They have implemented jiu-jitsu in their training. The thing is that unless, here's how you, 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 you let's get to how we fix this. Because we can't, the, the, a lot of the cops out there today, if they're not training jiu-jitsu, they're probably never going to do it, regardless of whatever we say. They're not going to do it unless they start very fresh in the academy day one in the police academy. So I get asked, how do you change this? 
implement jujitsu for every officer brand new that starts the police academy. Stop wasting nine months of garbage techniques. Oh, learning to hit somebody with a baton or an asp, uh, wrist, uh, man, I didn't have to do any of that stuff in 20 years. I never had to do wrist controls. None of that stuff. That's all garbage. Freddie, if you ever wrist locked someone, you would be an asshole. <laughs> Bro. I don't care if this guy robbed Fort Knox. If you're a black belt and you wrist lock, I'm like, wow, Freddie, come on. <laughs> Bro, so so here's the thing. So if you mandate, if you, if you build a curriculum, and we know it works because it works with our regular students in our academies, why wouldn't it work? If you give me, you give me a student for one hour a day for nine months, one hour a day, you're not going to have a problem with that officer. At least in theory, you won't have a problem with that officer because he'll know how to control somebody without having to resort to any strikes. So, so a, a lot of departments hire me to do seminars and that sometimes they'll ask me, do you need bags for striking? I go, nope. I'm not going to teach any striking. I don't teach any striking. You guys want to teach striking? You teach it on your own. I don't teach any striking. Well, what do you mean? You teach self-defense, but there's no punching, no kicking? I go, no. And why not? Because I never had to do that in my police work. You're hiring me for my expertise. It's not like I learned it from somebody and now I'm teaching it. No, guys. I did this for 20-something years on the streets. I know what works, what doesn't work. Just like Kevin Gallagher. <laughs> he knows what works and what doesn't work. Okay, he knows that half the stuff, you don't need it. What do you need? You need a good takedown, good mount control. <laughs> and that's, that's uh, it. Know how to do a kimura. Kimura's yeah, right. a solid move. Yeah. That's it. Kevin, yeah. tell me, am I right or wrong? Yeah. You put the hook, learn how to put the hooks in if they go to their belly. That's all you need. That's, that's it. it. Game over. Yeah. That's but it. Some departments... Go ahead. What I what I'll say is this: is that like just like you said, you, you're not going to learn that by training once every six months or or the, no. you, you, the real beauty of jujitsu is the fact that we train over and over and over again, simulating these real life circumstances to the fact of where we know not just how, because I always am a firm believer in this. And I say this all the time, like the beauty of jujitsu isn't really about his techniques. Their techniques are crowd my God, some other techniques that are far more superior in my opinion to the, to the techniques of jujitsu. What makes jujitsu so special is the ability for us to recreate what real life scenarios are like over and over and over again so that we learn how to think and we learn how to be prepared for those situations. Because if you tell that story again from day one when you walk on the street and that guy charged you, if you train jujitsu for an hour a day over nine months, it's a completely different story. It's not even a story anymore. You it wouldn't be in the news. It wouldn't even make it. Right. Do you know how many? There's a lot of cops trained jujitsu nowadays. You don't hear about them in the news because it's not news. They're not cracking people's heads open. They're not choking anybody out in front of a camera. They're taking care of business, and they take they do such an efficient job at it that it's not newsworthy. And what you know, makes it, news the ones it, that don't know it. The, the thing about jujitsu too is like I I mean I firmly believe that you know again it changes lives I I, I see it all the time it, it takes people that are weak and makes them strong it takes them strong and gives you humility across the board 100 it will make you a better person and by forcing these police officers who sign a contract you know police officers don't go to be police officers because they're dickheads you know I guess there I won't say that across the board there are some people that want to go get a paycheck and they have some some complexes but i will say the vast majority of police officers that i know really want to make a difference as a police officer when they sign up they want to be better people they want to help society in one way or another right so if you give them the opportunity to to be better people to understand how to do that effectively and to understand how to make themselves realize not just from a physical standpoint but from a mental standpoint how to truly do a better job and truly maintain their mental capacities. They'll see that jujitsu is amazing. You train, I mean, if you train, half the people I know that train jujitsu that aren't cops, 
that train like once a week, twice a week, in three months they're hooked and they're training for the rest of their lives. You take a police officer that really wants to make a difference in the world and give them an opportunity, they're going to love it. Okay, I'm going to just stop you right there, though, just because you said, like, you know, it takes it makes strong. It makes weak people strong, you know, and I used to be weak, but now I'm just weak and I have a knee brace on right now. So (laughs) I'm waiting for the strength to come a little bit. But that's actually uh, Kev G kind of uh, brought up a pretty good point. And that's that I think like all of us have been training long enough to realize that there are some even though that this is a sport where most of the assholes get weeded out very early on. A few of them stick around and, you know, and now they're assholes with jujitsu and they, they're, you know, they could be a problem for a gym. They often got to get talked to a lot. And one of the big arguments that I see against police officers getting trained in jujitsu is that, Oh, it's like, it's, it's just giving them more weapons, you know, more things to use against people. You know, they don't need that from someone who's gotten like so much, uh, from jujitsu as a police officer, could you, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, you know, when I, I get that a lot, oh, no, man, just a post. That's probably one of the main things that they bring up on the latest post that I did on uh, on social media where I posted a picture of me in uniform doing a kimura on a, on a guy with my knee across the back, not the neck. But, um, I had many people, oh, yeah, perfect. You're Now you're going to teach bad cops uh, how to do jiu-jitsu. Well, they're already bad cops, and they have a gun, so that's well, how much worse than that is it going to get. But I'm not going to deny the vast majority of cops that are good cops. Every profession has bad people in it. Every profession, doctors, presidents, lawyers, every profession has bad people in it, but the vast majority are good people. So I can't think about the bad people that I'm empowering. I need to empower the good people because I'm sure that those officers uh, for that incident in Atlanta, they they didn't wake up that morning thinking they were going to kill somebody or wanting to kill somebody. Things happened. But I guarantee you that those are the people that I want to reach those officers, they have no clue of what to do. Give them the proper tools of how to handle situations like that. It could be done through jujitsu. How do you fix this problem? Go back to what I said earlier. Mandate it. It's not going to happen overnight. But if you mandate it from day one, police academy training, in 10 to 15 years, now this is long term, but in 10 to 15 years, those rookie officers that you started teaching jiu-jitsu that at least got a full year of jiu-jitsu and are climbing up the ranks. So they're rookies today, but tomorrow they're captains, they're chiefs. And now you'll have a whole department with knowledge and understanding of jiu-jitsu. That's how you change the landscape. It's not going to happen overnight, but that's how you change it. With better understandings of what brutality is and how to regulate it on that basis. Because I think that's the big problem. And I and I, and I I say this a lot. And I, I have tons of friends in the police department. Believe me, I have tons of tons of relationship with friends with the police department. And very rarely do I find just dickhead cops. I really do. I mean, there are some out there. There's definitely some yeah, bad cops out there. Come, come to come to come to Connecticut right. or Jersey sometime. <laughs> well, there's definitely there's definitely police officers that are protected. We'll get to that later. I start to ask you some of the reasons why you feel that's happening. But like the the point I'm trying to make is is this is that I you know the problem we're seeing is that systematically the failures of this the failures of the police departments to police themselves and to learn proper training and correct issues of untrained officers ill equipped to protect themselves and do the right thing have not been addressed so we're continuing to see poor training in poor instances like hap- what happened with George Floyd that guy was just a dick i can't I'll, I'll get to that you know that that was just that was just the 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 uh, there's nothing about poor training ill prepared that guy was just an asshole he was the head officer yeah. in charge didn't give a shit apparently we're finding out he had a grudge against this the against George Floyd from before who knows what's going to pop up out of that that guy was an asshole should have been fired years ago but again we'll get to that later the point i'm trying to make is is that just like you said, we need to start correcting his issues. Let me ask you a quick question now. What do you believe is stopping 
the police from implementing a mandatory jujitsu regimen or, or or not allowing this to happen because you know us guys in do jujitsu we know this we've been saying this for fucking years like why do you think there's resistance to doing it or maybe not even an idea of why we should be doing it i don't know about other states but i know that in the state of florida a lot of the self-defense was based on 1970s striking bruce lee era stuff and i don't know no changes needed yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> everything's yeah, great. you're right. They, they, there's a couple of guys sat at a ground table somewhere up North State and came up with a curriculum. And they said, this is a curriculum we're going to mandate to all state depart all, all departments within the state of Florida. And then they went with that. And then, you know, shit starts from the top and flows on down. And then you have all the department heads across Florida. Well, if the state of Florida gave us this this is what we got to follow. Right. And they would know better. They don't know better. Just because they're in the top. I mean, do you expect the, for President Trump to come up with a jiu-jitsu program? No. He has to appoint somebody up there that knows what they're doing to start a proper program. Same thing with jiu-jitsu. So it's been an uphill battle. In the 90s, I remember, I was the, one of the first to start, definitely the first officer down here in Miami to start training jiu-jitsu. And I was the first to start showing jujitsu at the police academy. And fast forward many years now, now we got like three officers that are there that are black belts in jujitsu. We have the officers there. Okay. The change has come. It's happened. But has it reached the top? It's reached departments, but has it reached the top? Now it has. We have a guy that we moved up there in the state of Florida. They um that they hired. He's a jujitsu black belt friend of mine, and uh, he's helped implement the uh, curriculum and added more jujitsu into the program. But among he's just one guy, a jujitsu guy. So it's just one guy, and then you have ten other guys that are not jujitsu guys, and everybody wants to hit their input. Everybody wants. Oh, what about Mykrov? <laughs> right. Mykrov Maga. <laughs> that, that can come in handy with the cops. I'm sorry, cops don't need to learn all that no, striking. I that's what causes problems. That. That's why we have that's shit that goes down. Because you got some guy on video now. He's fucking elbow what? and head, got a broken nose. Instead of you, that doesn't make the news because you have you you peacefully subdued of, 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 of an attacker. You know, it's 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 it it makes me in fucking sane. And I think again, what I always draw back to is this: now when you have people that are going to come in to revamp. The, the 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 police office curriculum on self defense and protection. You're gonna who they're gonna ask? They're gonna ask those old school dudes that have been running the show for so fucking long that are fucking clueless because it's obvious they don't know what the fuck they're doing because shit is still fucked up and they're so yep. stuck in their ways. And the police department in general, and I apologize to this, but the police department in general is there's this old school mentality of we're the cops, we got this, we know what we're doing. Don't worry about it type thing. And that shit ain't going to fly no more because that's what happens. This is why things that are happening now happen. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. The vast majority don't know what they're doing. Right. I tell them all the time. It's, it, it's ridiculous. But, you know, uh, like I said, change is slow. There's a lot of things happening now in the news. People want change. Talking about defunding cops. Uh, you know. Guys, cops is not the problem. It's the training that's being implemented. That's if you true. want change, um, uh, force the department to, to issue better training for the officers. Force them to issue more jujitsu for the officers. You want positive change? That's the positive change. Because we all know that with jujitsu, you're going to have less injuries to cops. You're going to have less injuries to the, to, to, to the subjects they're arresting. And you're going to build better trust with the community. Because you're not going to be hurting people. And that's what they want. Okay, so now they took away the rear choke from a lot of departments across the, the nation. Not a problem. I can still deal with that. Because when you guys know, when you're training, how many rear chokes do you get when you're training? Maybe once 
every few rounds. Have they, have they banned leg locks in the police yet? <laughs> no, 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 no leg locks. That's like really extensive. <laughs> you don't need to go that far down the hall anyway. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Let's not. So conspiracy theories that the, the, the IVJJF is in league with the, the federal government. Hey, listen, <laughs> I, listen, I go back to me. Yeah. What were the moves that I used the most? Well, uh, Gallagher will tell you. Kimura, the Kimura lock, you can get it from anywhere. Uh, controlling the mount and controlling the back mount with hooks, seat belts. Really, that's, that's all you need. That's all you need. That's all that's you need. That's all you need. You don't need to do arm bars. Let me ask you. you let me ask brush. you. You don't question. need to do any of that stuff. Go let ahead. me ask you. I want to. I want to get your opinion on this because there, there's a part of me that understands the argument for defunding, and I, I'm going to defend it in this way, and I'm going to get your opinion on this because I've heard other police chiefs and other police officers talk about the fact that you know. We use the police officers for anything, you know. There's the the, the and like if if you're if there's a, a a drunk on your doorstep, you call the cops. You know, if if there's a a cat stuck in a tree, you call the cops. You know, the police officers are overused in circumstances with situations that could be helped preemptively through social uh, programs, through you know, putting more money into helping with the homeless situation or helping with poverty and blah 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 and, and, and better utilization of that money. What do you say to people that say things like that and the fact that well we should just defund the police officers right away, skip them out, the police are doing too much. This is why the situation's revolved because they're asked to do so much. Well, that, that, I feel like any defund like just just to clarify, I, from what I understand from my own research, no one is saying immediately defund all police departments. I think there's been a lot of talk of restructuring and right. uh reevaluating where to place resources, but yeah, I, I think you know any insight you might have as someone from the inside uh, for such a long time would definitely be valuable. I'll be honest with you, at my level, most cops we don't deal with. When people talk about defunding, most of us cops we have no control. With, we don't know where the money is coming from. Right. We just get paid to go out and do a job. So when people say defund the police. Okay, you could defund the police, but that doesn't really affect us because it's not like we're getting extra money. You get paid a salary and you work. These are your hours. So when you're defunding, I think people have a misconception. They think that cops are getting extra money in their pockets. We're not getting any extra money unless you're working overtime. You know, uh, if we get new cars, okay, we get new cars. If we have old cars, we stay with the old cars. But the funding, I don't know. Maybe, I, I'm not the one qualified to answer that. That would be somebody high up in the ranks that could understand how the budgeting works with departments. All right. That's fair. I, I got one more question for you, then I'll let Kevin ask a couple questions. But this yeah. is something that, that, that troubles me on a, on a level that, that we start to see why things are starting to unravel. Why... Why do you believe on a systematic level that it seems to me that a lot of times bad cops that continually uh, are abusive or continually have marks against them are allowed to stay on the force for whatever reason? Good old boy politics. He's a good cop. He just had a bad day. You want that guy on your side. If shit goes down, he's been on the force. He's experienced. Like – how much of that do you see and what do you think are some of the issues behind that? The union is very strong. The unions for cops is strong and uh, they defend these cops with all sorts of, listen, we all know them. I know, I know a few cops that have no business being cops. It goes back to what I said earlier. Every profession has somebody that you're like, how the hell did this guy become a doctor? You know, or it, it, it happens in every field of work. And then you have them in police work. I've, I've seen some that I'm like, I had a guy once that I told the man, you have no business being a cop. You should go back to your old job because this is not for you. He's still on the job today. So, so I mean, it, they happen. They're out there. But the, they they have cops have a lot of protections through the union. So that's one of the things that I hear they're trying to change. And um, 
You know what? I think that uh, I'm actually open to it because, um, yeah, they need to be held to a little higher standard. And if you get so many complaints and you're still on the job, there's a problem there. Or, you know, you know and you, if you're if you're a tenured police officer and you've been along for a long time and you're just burnt out because it happens. People get burnt out. I get burnt out from bartending. I can't tell you how many times I go into work. I just want to strangle people. I don't care. I'm so mad. You might not be that bad of a guy. You just pissed me off at the wrong day. And I'm and I'm in a shit mood. You know what? I'm an authority figure. So you're going to kiss my I'm going to I'm going to come at you. That's just the way it happens. Freddie, Freddie, you get a call. Hey, Freddie, Kevin Gallagher's gone insane. And you're the only <laughs> go- cop that can stop him. <laughs> yeah. But if I show up with a gear or something, it'll get into (laughs) I know, I know I fucked up real bad. (laughs) (laughs) The the point I'm trying to make is is like you don't have to fire these cops. You know, you don't have to freaking the disciplinary action could be just you just find them a different position. If you don't want to fire the position, you take them off the force. But in my opinion, like it needs to happen more often. Because a perfect example is this guy, George, this guy fucking Chavalo or whatever the hell his name was, man. He had no business being out on the field anymore. He had so many goddamn marks on his fucking record. And it was obvious, clearly obvious to well, many of the people that worked with him and, 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 and were around him. But he was a dickhead. Well, a loose cannon waiting is, to explode. The, the problem is that um, patrol work is is like your level one of police work. You know, as you do good police work, you get promoted to specialized units. And if you if you mess up, you get kicked back to patrol. And that's like pretty general everywhere. So to find a bad cop in patrol is not uncommon. That usually means he can't get to anything else because nobody wants him. So he's already pissed off. He's there. So he's already pissed off. He can't do anything else. So they stick him in some shitty shift or whatever, and he's upset. And now you have a disgruntled cop at the public level, which shouldn't happen. You know, maybe they should have put him in an office somewhere away from the public and um, do that. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's all I could tell you on that. That's usually where they put troubled officers. They put him right back to patrol. Yeah, and and again – just to just to kind of reiterate it, and I'll and I'll give it a break or something like that's the problem. That's the problem. The problem isn't the police are these you know fucking uh, what's the word like like stormtroopers that are that are used by the government to keep us in line and 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 do all these things like that. And like yes, there are issues with, with, with racial problems that stem, but but that goes way beyond police force. That goes to systemic issues with racism that have happened back from slavery that we still haven't gone over. And then we could, that's a whole nother podcast. Right. You know, you know, you know right. what I'm talking about? That's a whole nother fucking social discussion that we, that we, 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 we don't, we could do eight installments to try to figure out and solve. Yeah. Right. The point of the matter is, is like, you know, these problems with the police force have to be solved. This good old boy politics shit has to go away because if it doesn't, we end up with situations where now people are up in arms burning down buildings because they can't handle it anymore and they want to throw the whole god the police force to the wind because they say it's broken and we're over it we can police ourselves what's <laughs> good luck with that shit i i only require a few just to, to take off from that and to sort of give my thoughts i i want a few things from cops you know and i'm, I'm pretty privileged you know i'm not going to get pulled over like a lot of other people are but uh I, I one I never want to see an out of shape police officer. If you're a cop and you're fat, I'm I'm gonna hate you a little bit just because you, your job is to be in shape. And it's if I can do it, then any single celled organism with access to a dumbbell can do it. You know, and I think I think jujitsu offers a pathway for a lot of things. I think it's a pathway to understand yourself better, and it's a way to understand your fellow man better. You you might be in in the, in the force and you've never really had to confront people as, as people and you see them just as, you know, threats. And I think jujitsu combat in a controlled environment with a bunch of people, you know, in my gym, I train with people that if it weren't for the gym, I'd never meet, you know, I'd never interact with these, these men and women. And I always value that. And I think that if you give cops that same opportunity, it it, it might soften them and, and make them better people. I think jujitsu has a power to make you a better person. But I, again, I don't I don't know the answers. You know, I don't think anyone knows the answers. I think a lot of assholes end up being police officers. And 
you know, we, we got to figure out a way to keep whatever well, force exists. Like if, if, you know, say every cop, the police are all defunded and we ended up, we, we end up with something new. I, I want all those people to not be assholes and to know jujitsu, you know, if, because if that's the road it goes down, I'd like for the worst thing to happen to me that, oh man, my guard got passed and I'm now in 50, 50 and my, my hit the heel hooks there for him instead of getting, you know, shot. But, you know, and Freddie, you, I know you've got a lot of opinions on this, you know, so like when, just cause I know you got to get going, you know, I would love to get your thought just like in terms of seeing America right now, seeing these situations, then the, the conversations that are happening, how do you feel just as someone who's given, you know, their, their life to being a, a law enforcement officer who's, you know, done their duty to, to the best of their ability and, and gone out of your way, to, to become better outside of the police force, you know, get that really good safety harness, become a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like make yourself as, as effective as possible. How do you feel? I feel bad. I feel really bad for the officers that are out there trying to do a good job. Let me tell you, like I said earlier, the vast majority of cops are good people. Whether they know jiu-jitsu or not, they're good people. They mean well. And they're doing a job because they care. Okay, they and they put their lives on the line every single day. And it really hurts me. Somebody has been in this for 25 years who wore a uniform with pride. And now, because I have a lot of cops, and they all tell me that they they have to take their own food prepared in the house because they're now afraid of going anywhere to eat because they're worried that they're going to spit on somebody's in their food or something. Um, everywhere they go, they get looked at with mean eyes. That's not supposed to happen, man. You know, yeah, these guys messed up and, but the vast majority of officers are good officers and they shouldn't all be put in the same boat as these other guys that have really messed up, you know, and I just feel it's unfair. And what the people are asking for, less police, be careful what you ask for. You know, know your history or you're bound to repeat its mistakes. You get rid of police. Who's left to help you out? Look what's happening now in, in Minneapolis. They allowed that, that area Oh, that, that's under control. I think that's Seattle. You're thinking of is is the autonomous zone where it's taken over. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Supposedly they started. Oh, they're going to police themselves, but now it's getting out of control because it goes from policing yourselves. Okay, we're going to police now. We're requesting money from people. So you see how it starts changing, and it starts becoming an evil place where they start empowering themselves. So the very same thing they're fighting against, they are becoming. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Freddie. And, and, and it's hard for me to say this because like I, I 100% understand. Like I, I believe me, like I said, I'm, I always say this, like I'm a white guy that lives in America. Like I'm, I'm not doing, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm, I'm not feeling the same issues of racism that probably you have felt in your life or many of my African-American friends have thought in my life. So it's difficult for me to say I can understand what they're going through. I can relate to it, and I can see what they're going through. But to say I can truly understand it, I couldn't possibly begin to talk on that in the same way that I couldn't possibly begin to talk on what it's like to be a police officer in fear of your life that's underprepared that has to deal with criminals because that's your job. you got to deal with dangerous people. That's what you do. And, you, and your number one priority is to make a home alive. So – the overall theme that I want to try to to say here is that, you know, I still want to believe that we live in the greatest country in the world. You know, we still live in America, the land of the free, the land of opportunity. And the systems that we have implemented for laws and, and, and regulation, you know, we've built them up over 200 years, 250 years of progress to the point that we are now. Now, is it perfect? Absolutely not. Are there still problems? Absolutely are there still things that need to change, the things that need to be fixed? 100%. I do believe that we are working to fix those problems. So to say all of a sudden now, screw it, throw it all away, we're going to start over again, that's just not right, man, because you're a long, long way from getting that right. Because you want to talk about policing yourself, you want to talk about doing the right things, believe me, 
there is still evil in this world, whether you want to believe it or oh, not. Yeah. And the police officers are here to protect us from that. And I thank you very much for everything you've done for your service. Just like I thank every other officer I see on the street because they do a dangerous job and they protect us because nobody wants to fuck a cop around until you need one. I mean, like if my car is stolen, you know, who else am I? I'm not going to call the Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, to, to echo that, Freddie, uh, you know, I, I understand that, you know, this is a, a a very rough time for America. You know, a lot of problems that have been going on for hundreds of years are, are being re- readdressed and, and uh, discussed about. But it also, you know, a lot of good people who have chosen to be police officers are, are finding that life is also difficult. And I know it, having this conversation might not be something that you you were super thrilled about but we thank you for coming on and offering your perspective and uh yeah uh, do, it, anything else you'd want to say before the close well uh, the 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 reason i i wanted to come on is because although the nature of how we having this conversation it was not the best with those unfortunate incidents that are happening but it is the best time for us to get the word out and all of us to get the word out that we need more cops to start training jujitsu. We all know that we need it. And the society, our world would be a much better place if we were all trained jujitsu. The chances of hurting each other or, or hurting the people that we're arresting will be significantly a lot lower. Less, less you know, less resorting to your impact weapons, taser, baton. Train hands-on from day one in the academy. Implement a jiu-jitsu program in your academy and go with it from there. And yeah. I guarantee you, it'll, it, it'll, it'll work out. I know it because I did it. So that's the only reason why I, why I say this, because I was a walking test kit. I'm going to take it one step further, Freddie, and say that you make these fuckers do it, even if they don't want to. You got some cop that says he doesn't want to do it. I'm tired. I do too much. You know what? Bullshit. You're going to take jujitsu. We'll pay for it, but you're mandated to take at least one jujitsu class a week. I'd say two, but one will get it done and make that, that part of your job. Idea. If you're paid, if you get paid to do it, you're paid to do it, but you clock in, you go to jujitsu class. I mean, I yeah. would, I think like uh, it would be great if every, like all the right people knew jujitsu. But I, in the inverse of that, I would also love it if I was the only one that knew jujitsu <laughs> on the planet. Cause I'd be like a wizard, man. I'd be like, hey, check this shit out. Do some like crazy jujitsu. Everyone's like, what is that? And I'm like, I'm not telling you. It's, it's secrets and magic. <laughs> just, yeah. I just go on a rampage. But yeah, Freddie. Uh, if for my money, you're, you're in a gold example of, uh, of what a cop should be in terms of, you know, getting yourself ready for your job and implementing, uh, the safest way to take someone down. It's the safest way for you to be a cop is to, to do jujitsu. Cause you're not going to, you're not going to hurt any, you're like that. You are in such control of yourself that you're only going to hurt someone. That was another reason is like, if if you start training cops in jujitsu and, the the rates of kimura related de- or like uh, rear naked choke related deaths or guillotine related death shoots up you can point it, it increase if you increase the amount of training you increase accountability because you it can't point to yeah. the fact that these guys are undertrained you know you can't point to ignorance you know it gives them more it gives them a little bit more ability but it takes away people's ability to say oh they just didn't know what they were doing you know no you and, did and <laughs> and, and then it, it educates the public. Look, everybody jumped on the bandwagon and they eliminated rear chokes. That guy wasn't even rear choked out. <laughs> that was a knee on the neck that not one department in the entire world teaches that technique. Yeah, I'm, Nobody I'm not teaches either, that. Man. I've had so to because of that, they abandoned everything. Yeah. And yeah. now with the taser, the uh, with this incident in Atlanta, now they're talking about getting rid of the taser. So what are you going to have left? You're taking everything away from the cops. The only thing left is their firearm. You're going to take that away too? Right. Well, I, I think that that is a really solid point to end. Um, uh, once again, Freddie, thank you for coming on. Do you, do you have any like uh, any gyms or, or stuff you've got going on that you'd love to plug? Uh, this is usually a time we do that. Well, I have my academy, Trillo Jiu-Jitsu Academy here in Miami Gardens, Florida. Um, yeah, I have a lot of cops training. Uh, you know. 
Cops are lazy, so we got to push them. A lot 100%. of them are. Yeah. They are true. very, very lazy, so you got to push them. I mean, think of all the cops that train. It's just like 1% of an entire department. That's why you make them That do just it. shows yeah. you. And on, a uh, and on a personal note, to the one police officer in Southbury, Connecticut, that followed my mom one time for a few miles because she had an expired license plate and decided to really make her day miserable about it. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, but fuck that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. You know, that's, that's that wouldn't be it. me because that I would do that. <laughs> Freddie, I, if, I, I feel like you, you'd take a look at my mom and go, I'm not going to fuck with her. She's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, just like this, that, that, like that one incident, the guy drink. Uh, there was the Atlanta thing. I, I, because I've done it. Yeah. I've walked up to a guy passed out in the car. I don't have time for DUI, bro. You got somebody to come pick you up? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Come here, pick you up. Uh, you don't. You need some. I'll put you in the car, take you to your house, drop you off. You know this man? Yeah, that's my husband. <laughs> Get in my car and I drive. I've Jesus. done it. I actually yeah, had a cop drive me home one night. I got lucky. <laughs> I don't know how it wow. happened. Yeah, I was in the back of a car. I was like, Are you really, you, really, you promise you drive me home? <laughs> it Jesus. happens a lot. So there's a lot of good ones out there like myself that, and the one that did it to you. There's a lot of good cops out there that do it, but we don't, we don't get the headlines. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this has been a very heavy, but also informative and like, enlightening episode of the jujitsu times podcast uh once again thank you to mr trilla for stopping by and giving us a very unique perspective on this incredibly uh divisive but important issue uh being talked about in america today uh awesome. to all our listeners out there uh please stay safe and uh remember to love your fan love your friends love your family and train hard because jujitsu is starting to open back up. I know in Florida it's it's already back and in, in oh, Texas yeah. and a few other places. So get to training when you can. But, uh, yeah. Oh, if, uh, if there's any cops that want to go over, you can go to my YouTube channel. I got over 100 videos and I uh, have a lot of them showing police techniques that, um, you know, they can What's watch. What's the name and of the Fred, Freddie Trillo at Freddie Trillo yeah. YouTube? No, YouTube. just Trillo. Just Trillo, Trillo Academy Trillo on Academy. YouTube. Cool. Trillo Academy. I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw up a You'll link. Hey, everybody. Kevin here. Uh, due to technical difficulties, the closing part of this most recent episode was actually lost. So I'm here to film a very quick uh, ending segment just to remind everybody that uh, these are very difficult times and difficult conversations that we're having and uh like everybody we're not always going to get it right but we're counting on you guys to hold us accountable and keep us honest and and let us know what you think of these uh, deeper types of dives that we're starting to do um you know i'm bringing greetings from kev g as well on that but um like i said at the closing stay safe uh Hold your loved ones close and uh, remember to look for the helpers, as the immortal Mr. Rogers once said. And that's about it. Uh, thank you and have a good night.